Welcome to the Gate 7 International Podcast, your official English source for all things Olympiakos FC and Greek football. My name is Peter Thompson. I'm here with my co-hosts Adi Bulubasis and Lambros Sirmos, as well as our special guest for today, Yanni Katrisiosis. Yanni, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Thank you for having me here. Yeah, well, we're very happy to have you and we're excited to to get into it. Uh, for folks who haven't been listening to our last couple episodes, Yanni is a former scout and player uh, in the Greek Super League, and he also now works in the United States, and he's coached many successful men's and women's soccer players, as well as Adi. So uh, they've had a relationship for a long time, and uh, we're excited to hear Yanni's perspectives on coaching, player development, and scouting uh, with sort of an eye to Olympiakos. Before we do get into that discussion, we have a couple quick housekeeping items to get off our chest. I am very excited to announce that we will be having former Olympiakos player Matt Derbyshire, great striker, scored a lot of goals. He will be coming on for the episode that comes out on Thursday, January 7th. We will be tweeting about the episode on our Twitter account at Gate7INTL. So you can ask questions. Feel free to also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Reddit at Gate7INTL if you would like to ask Matt any questions. We also have an episode with the PSV podcast coming out on February 17th before the first leg of the Europa League round of 32 between PSV and Olympiakos. We will be discussing pre-match for that game with them and getting to know their team. I also want to say thank you again to our sponsor, Piraeus International Incorporated. Piraeus International has been importing and exporting cargo for companies and individuals for over 40 years. They can assist you in importing olive oil, marble, or any other goodies from Greece. They can also assist in exporting whether you have one box or a full household of items that need to be sent over. Check them out at PiraeusINTL.com and give them a call at 410-675-4696. We don't have a whole lot of news, so we're just going to go quickly run through the other Super League results today and take a look at the table after the first match day of results in 2021. Panathinaikos drew with Asteras Tripoli 0-0 and Panetolikos beat Ofi in a surprise victory 2-1, including an equalizer in the 83rd minute from Manthatis, who came on as a substitute in his debut, former Olympiakos winger. Larisa got a surprising point against Pauk thanks to a wonder goal from Pinakas, Pauk equalized with a penalty scored by Villarinha in the 95th minute, final score 1-1. And then in a battle between the two newly promoted teams, Apollon Smirni beat Yanina 3-0, or 3-1, sorry, uh, away. And of course, we have Olympiakos beating Ike 3-0, which we'll get into later. The league table as it currently stands has Olympiakos at the top, sitting on 35 points in 13 matches played. Aris are six points back with a game in hand on 29 points. They play tomorrow or today as you're listening to this. Pauk are on 28 points after the draw today. Ike on 24 points. Panathinaikos on 19 and Asteras on 18. I'm very excited to announce that we actually have our first deep dive of 2021. Thanks to Adi. We obviously have been very excited about the new left-back prospect Oleg Rebchuk, Moldovan international who came from Pazos Ferreira in Portugal. He was officially announced with the club. He was, in fact, listed in the squad list today, although he didn't make the bench or play or anything. But it's seeming like he will be on the pitch in a red and white shirt relatively soon, which is great to hear. Adi, what do you have for a deep dive on Rebchuk? 
I'm going to start off with some opinions from Porto fans as they were pretty upset when they ended up losing uh, Rebchuk to us. They were really upset because they wanted a competitor, a strong competitor for Zaidu. They haven't been very happy with Zaidu's performances for the last couple of weeks, uh, almost last three weeks, and they think that he's over-reliant on his physical capabilities. They thought Oleg would be a legitimate competitor for the number one position to keep Zaidu playing at a top level. Uh, even our former guest, Luis Silva, uh, analyst for uh, B24 Sport in, uh, in Portugal, uh, he believes that Oleg has better overall potential than Zaidu for the same reason. Zaidu relies on his physical attributes, whereas Oleg has better technical and overall ability. So when I was watching the tape, I see what Luis Silva is saying. I see what some of the Porto fans are talking about, especially on the defensive aspects. Now, in terms of the broad metrics, he has he's a 57.3% defensive duel win rate for the season so far. Aerial duels, 43.6%. Loose balls, 48.4%. Technically, Holebas is better in those percentages. Not by much, but he is better. But the more important thing is to look and actually see what's in that. Look at the video. What does he do? He's a physical player, can contend very well with larger, stronger players. Um, I noticed in the performance against Boa Vista, a player named Ellis. This guy is 6'6", 180 pounds, huge guy. And Rebchuk never let him buy him. Uh, can outmaneuver players that are larger and more physically capable than him. He's also extremely quick. He is really fast. Makes Holebas look like he's running in mud. And the one really cool thing about him is I noticed that when he was cutting out passing lanes, he is very astute at watching where the player with the ball, especially the number 10, when he has the ball at his feet, at where he's going to be making passes, cutting through balls. And he will start running about a couple seconds before the pass is made. And he usually cuts them out. In the beginning of the season, he wasn't quite so good at doing that. He would And he would overcommit, miss, and it could lead to a dangerous attempt. But so as the season progressed towards the end of the season, he was getting them every single time. And in terms of closing down defenders on the dribble, I still thought he was pretty good, but I think he overvalues his speed a little bit because he has the tendency to overcommit, but because he's so fast with some of these teams he plays against, he knows he can catch up and get back. Uh, but when he played against some, some better teams like Porto, for example, or Benfica, some of those midfielders or wingers are also pretty fast, and he wasn't able to catch them. So this is something that I'm not super concerned with because I know I'm pretty sure Martins is going to knock that out of him. Uh, he has a very structured defense. I don't think he's going to let him continue to push that far up. But overall, I'm pretty positive on his defensive ability because I think he's got a great mind for the game, not just physical attributes. Uh, offensive ability, uh, not I won't. He's not terrible. Um, he it's hard to tell if he really has a good touch. There are some. There were some times when he would dribble and it looked like his feet are so quick. But then there are other times he falls over himself. Um, he likes to do one of two tricks a lot. Uh, with his left foot, he likes to either cut the ball inside and then quickly cut it outside, like a one-two from his left foot, or he likes to do it from the other side. He'll do the same thing. He'll, he'll touch the ball with his right foot, play it to his left and quickly push it forward really, really far, and then use his speed to get by the defender. So... We're not looking for somebody to be like Cristiano Ronaldo. Even Simikas wasn't that good as well, but Simikas could get by defenders. He only had a couple of tricks up his sleeve as well. So that's something 
that's fine for us. Um, now, in terms of overlaps, what we care about, overlaps. He overlaps way more than Holebas does, and he does it a lot, and he's really fast and can cover back. Fantastic. Crosses more than Holebas does. Again, that's something we care about to establish width. That's what we're looking for. And in terms of possession, it's uh, he's good in possession. He It's not like he's misplacing balls. Even long balls he can do. Um, but it's tough to compare because link-up play for his, his previous team, they're not dominant in possession they're sitting back and playing the counter so all you have to see is how he plays in the counter and in the counter he seems to do okay one two touch uh getting forward with the ball so all very positive things but primarily he will use his pace to beat opposing defenders get to the byline and cross so overall i'm pretty positive on him i think he's going to be a good fit for us yeah i'm pretty positive too i'm really glad the club i think they did a really good job getting this transfer nailed down He's under contract with us until like 2024, 2025, something like that. I think it's 2025. So he's still a young player. And to me, that all seems pretty encouraging. And hopefully he has uh, more room to improve and can become a solid left back for this club for a while. Yeah. And also we have a really tight fixture list coming up. I think it's some something like games every Wednesday, Sunday. Mega said that he'll probably be in the squad list for the game against Tripoli on Wednesday is it Wednesday or Thursday I don't remember but he'll probably be in the squad list and may play it'll be interesting to see honestly I'm excited about him because one he chose us over Porto which is what the report said right he Porto activated the release clause that they had with the Portuguese team but Rebchuk I finally learned the name said no and said he wanted to play first team football at Olympiacos so that is a good sign that's not Ruben Vinagre coming coming here for vacation, which he did very well uh, this past fall. So that's that's a good start. Also with Ruben Vinagre, I got one last thing about him before we never speak about him again. Supposedly he never even said goodbye to the players. He just packed up his locker and left. It's just like typical anyway. No, just no more about Ruben Vinagre. Yeah, we'll, we'll not say that name again. But to reiterate, yeah, Rebchuk would have gone to Porto, but he said, no, I want to play first team football. And that is really encouraging to see that he has that desire and hopefully he doesn't just, you know, treat the Super League like a pushover. So I'm really excited to see him in red and white. Well, now to jump into the meat of the podcast, what we're all here for. Uh, Yanni, we wanted to get some background from you. To start kind of for the listeners, we've already told them that you played in the past for Adromidos for some capacity. Um, tell us how you began your career as a player and how you got started with Adromidos. I start very young, in age 13, I was at uh, Ayo Erotheo, kind of semi-pro team. I was 13 and I was playing with at the first team. And then they saw me from Atromito, so I talked to Atromito and at age like about 15, I started with uh, Atromito. And uh, that's uh, how it was over there. Atromito was a very good team, was at the B division. And the field was ground, not grass, no. <laughs> at that time, yes. And uh, that year, we got uh, the first division, so they put the grass. I had uh, the, the coach, was Linoxilakis, was player from Panathinaikos, very good player, and he was a very good coach. He got in an accident, and he stopped being the coach. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I went... Uh, at uh, Egaleo, it was Zephyros. 
I played, you know, many years. I went in Thessaloniki. I played Arezzo, Pilea. So, and then, you know, in one point, I was in Italy. I was in Bologna, in Cento. You didn't know that? I didn't know that, <laughs> no. Yes. That's news. Yes. I went over there and uh, I tried over there. They wanted me to play, but uh, I didn't stay. I came back, uh, I came back uh, in Greece. It was some uh, issues that I didn't want to stay in Italy. At one point, uh, you, uh, Panathinaikos, a scout from Panathinaikos had approached you at Atromidos. That uh, Kalogeras, it mm -hmm. was from Panathinaikos. And actually, I found out that a few months ago, some time ago, he passed away. You know, he was a very good, uh, nice guy. He was from Panathinaikos. He was checking the players at Atromidos. He was very often over there. And he wanted me to go. To play for Panathinaikos, but I had uh, signed in uh, the Galio team, and uh, I signed at the Galio team. I, I didn't ask for money because I knew the next year I will go for uh, with Kalogera for Panathinaikos. And then when time came, uh, the Galio team didn't give me the didn't release me. Now my one question for you was: as an Olympiakos supporter, how did it feel to have Panathinaikos? <laughs> how did it feel to have them come to you and to not Olympiakos? To be honest, I had a lot of you know I had to think about a lot. But that time I had if uh, I, I was getting a release from the Galo team, I was going to go. <laughs> of course, you can't say no. It doesn't matter. <laughs> of um, now moving forward, um, when you were doing uh, when you were doing the academy or, or setting up the academy, preparing the academy level scouting in the United States at the time, while uh, at the time when Kokali was still the president, mm -hmm. um, you don't have to go too far into detail. But what did Kokali want out of a U.S. academy for Libyakos? Uh, I had to hear set up the group. It was Tom, the Italian guy, and, and Tony, the other Italian guy. Uh, Tom, he didn't know about soccer, but he loved soccer and he had the, the money to support and uh, sponsor the group. We were going to make academy here with the school, with uh, everything. We had the field, we had the, the, the team, the company from Italy for the uniforms. Uh, everything was set up. To move on, I came in Greece with Tom and I talked to Petro Kokali, who had a long meeting and uh, he was uh, very excited about uh, our plan, what we were going to do. And Olympiakos was going to be the sponsor and any player Google get from United States, the first word will be Olympiakos. If Olympiakos wanted, it was for Olympiakos. If he didn't want it, he was allowed to go to any other player. So Kokali, Petros, Kokalis, he was very excited. You know, we talked, we explained, everything was okay. Next day, I met his father, Socrates Kokali, at uh, the game with Olympiakos playing at the Olympic Stadium with Prodevtiki. Mm -hmm. So I met uh, Socrates Kokali. And he, he was very excited too, because Petros told him about the plans and he gave me the, okay, anything you talk, I agree, move on. Let me know what's going on. You have my support. But after I, we finished over there, we came back to the United States and uh, by, it was bad luck. Tom, he went to sleep, he never woke up. So everything went off. It was a shame. Yeah, uh, it definitely was. But while you were while you were scouting for that, when you were looking at mm -hmm. players, 
what were you looking for in some of those in some of those players and were there any players that you ever got around to recommending to Olympiacos yes when i was looking for players it's the same what i was looking what i was giving to my players it was the same thing what i was looking that's what i was giving to my players mm-hmm. so i was looking to to have the passion for sure about the game that they want to play i was looking the skills how when i see them at the game even at the practice even anything how they will think i was able to be able to 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 see how they are thinking when they play the game the balance the skills if they are in good shape the the psychology how they think about how they feel about the game how they they will step how they will move when you see how they play how they work the same time you can see how they are thinking mm-hmm. because they are thinking and then they are moving on physical first it's the brain how the brain is thinking the soccer way and then you can see that at the field now when you transitioned from scouting to coaching could you tell which players uh, had potential to succeed versus those that that didn't have the potential yes i'll give you example one time patricia carly lloyd's mother bring carly at the field and she said i want you to help my daughter to make the high school team i said no anybody can help your daughter for the high school i like to if i'm working with my players i'm working for the world class level let me work with uh, carly for one session i work with her and i saw anything i was giving her it was like a sponge right away without out without any question I, wherever i teach in her wherever i was correcting her the next thing i know i knew she got it one day the same mother bring her son her son came at the field i worked with him he was like i know i know you have to do that no correct that no i know i know you see do you understand the difference from one carly whatever she was without saying anything she was working she was correcting she was getting my information and she was ready the other side her brother was like i know i know there you cannot teach you have no help now with carly whatever like i said teaching her she was grabbing right away and she was there because now i knew what i had to give her and i saw that she can get my knowledge my information i knew i can make her a good player and here she is she's at the national team a captain so it wasn't always about whether or not the player had a strong technical foundation a good player a player that would succeed was a player that had work ethic that's for sure you have it the player had the talent or not if he should if will the player will work will have success but needs good information training somebody that knows what the player needs what the player has to get to give it it's not because you know i can be a baseball coach or trainer but i will never make a baseball player because i don't have the knowledge i don't have information to give about the soccer you have to know and you have to figure out what the player needs and give it to the player and show them it's important 
first as a trainer to work not with the body. It's important to a trainer to work with the brain, to make a soccer brain. At the field, what's the soccer game? Decisions. Every second, you have to make decisions. Who makes the decisions? The brain. That's one of the most important things. Even if it's 10 years old, even if it's 20 or 30, it's very important. And when you see you have good communication and you can build a bridge between the trainer and the player or the team to be able to transfer information, you will have success. But to be able to, to, to create that bridge, you have to work very hard and figure out the personality of every player. Figure out the personality of the team, what you want to make. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And I kind of, that brings me to a player who currently plays for Olympiacos, who's talked about a lot. Some people don't like him, some people like him. Andreas Buhalakis. He's become almost the captain at Olympiacos now, and he's playing. But a lot of people talk about how Buhalakis has this thing where if he's not being supported or something, he can lose his confidence and then he'll make mistakes. But Pedro Martins has really placed his faith in him and put like almost a hand around his back and helped him out. And it seems like that's unlocked the best of him. Are there certain players who are more mentally fragile and you have to manage their personalities? Almost like Buhalakis, it seems Pedro Martins has managed his personality. My opinion? Please, yeah. Yes. Buhalakis, he's, he's a player. He's not for Olympiaco. He's not a cap Olympiacos captain because I agree. if if the Licaris, if Carapialis, if those players they can hear that Buhalakis is the captain, they're gonna go crazy. Now, <laughs> now, now I can explain. You know, I don't like just to say things. I can explain. If you will see a game, the whole game, Buhalakis. He will give uh, hundred passes. 99.9 of them, they are in the back or on the side. He will make fouls from nowhere just to make the fouls because he cannot control his body. And here and there, yeah, maybe he will make a goal or maybe he will give a pass forward. That's the player at the center of the field. My opinion, guys, about the player that plays at the center of the field, it's the backbone, has to move the team up. I'm not saying don't pass the ball on the side, left square or back, but that player, the player, only be a cost player, needs to play at the center of the field to move the team up. He doesn't have it. He doesn't have the trip. He doesn't have, uh, he doesn't have things that can give to Olympiacos. Yeah, they say, oh my God, Buhalakis, he's a good player because he has 80, 70, 90% success at the passes. Of course, the passes are left, right, or in the back. But I want to see a player that he moves the team up. He gives the passes that to move the team up. That's my, my opinion. And I'm sorry, that's my, you know, I don't think that uh, you, there were games it was a game with Pauk, he was in, the team was struggling, was, we were playing with 10 players because he was in, 
So in one point, he took him out. The team went like crazy. We beat Paul. The coach, he sees things or he doesn't see things. I, I respect that. But if I was the coach, that's what uh, I believe. I was going to I was going to work with him to move the team up. If you could make it good, good, that's fine. But having a player at the center of the field, passing the ball left, right, or in the back, and then I have Macedo, you know, he's trying to move the team up. Buhalak is at the center, he's passing the ball to Masado, and Masado or uh, any defender trying to move the team up. That doesn't make any sense to me. Now, uh, kind of going back to the, the, the training philosophy, mm-hmm. um, before we go and touch on the four points you brought up, Yanakopoulos had told us one of the most important things when you're a player aspiring to play in the highest level, sacrifice is one of the, the biggest things. You know, you have to make sacrifices, your time, practicing all the time, training all the time. Um, uh, I know, I know for me, I was training with you twice a week. I was driving, you know, almost two hours to, to come train with you twice a week. Uh, Carly Lloyd was training, uh, twice a week. Uh, you had mentioned Bobby Khan. He was traveling also twice, twice a week, I'm assuming to, to practice. That, with you. That's very important. If you want to have success and be there, it's like, uh, you have to put your time, you have to put effort, you have to sacrifice things and work with that 100% and be there at the practices, maybe go before or maybe stay later and work more by yourself and uh, watch, uh, maybe you can watch a couple, you know, instead to watch cartoons or any movie, you can watch any game and see things from the game or you know it's it's a lot of uh, sacrifice you have to you cannot spend the nights and then next morning you can go at the practice or at the game in the, the next day that's for sure now this is something i wanted we have a lot of younger listeners that were that have asked questions to yanakopoulos i'm sure they'll ask questions to matt derbyshire as well mm-hmm. because a lot believe if they don't have the raw talent to play that they will never be they can never do it and Yanakopoulos said more, more or less the same things that you just said now. Now, to a certain degree, yes, you have to have some talent, some skill. But a lot of it is, is heart and sacrifice. If you're willing to put the work in, if you're willing to do what needs to be done to be successful, that is really the hardest part. A lot of, a lot of the thinking, the mentality, which we're about to touch on, can be trained. How to think in certain positions. Uh, as long as you have a certain degree of talent, really it is the work ethic and the sacrifice that can get you there. Now, you brought up those four, we'll call them core principles that you that you discuss, that you closely follow when you're helping train players. Uh, so I wanted to elaborate on each one of those. That way to kind of, uh, that way the listeners can kind of get an idea. Those that have played at, maybe they haven't played at all or played at a lower level to understand what players that strive to be at that professional level have to do in order to succeed. Uh, Now, the first thing you brought up was technique. Uh, And under technique, what are some of the things you focus on? Uh, Some of the fundamentals, uh, the the agility training uh, with the sticks, uh, that we used to do. Uh, do you mind explaining uh, how you helped build build on the technique of players and elaborate on those fundamentals? 
Yes, that's very important. You said when you are working at the technique before, let me say something. It's you have a talent or you don't. It's no question. It's work. You have a talent or not. You have to work. And I'm telling you, there were players with the talent, but because they didn't work, they didn't go anywhere. And there were players with not that talent, but they worked very hard and they hit the top. So it's no question. You have to work. If a player realizes that I don't have that talent, but I have to work, he will work, he will have success. If the player believes, I have the talent, I don't have to work that much, wrong. You have to work, period. And you have to work very hard. Now, about a trainer or a coach, the part of technique, you have to work with the player like using the training sticks ahead. How you will step, how you will run, how you will move your body. You have to be flexible. And it's important where you will, how you will put your foot to change direction. How you will move your, use your body to have, go for a head ball. How you will put your body behind the ball to give a simple pass or take a shot or how you will step to jump for the head ball. What foot you will use to give a pass on that right side. What foot you will use to pass the ball in the other side. What part of your foot now you will use to give that pass will be outside your foot, will be inside your foot, will be at the top, how you will put. So every move counts and counts a lot. You can put your body in the wrong way behind the ball, the wrong foot. You can take a shot and you will miss the goal. The ball will go out. But if that you will take that uh, second to make the right decision with your brain first that you want to make, take the shot, give the pass and put in the right way your foot to get a good balance behind the ball and take that shot. That could be goal. That will be a win. You can get the game. You can win the, the cup. You can do anything. You took one second. You remember? We're going back. How you will put your foot about the balance? What foot you will use? How your body will go behind the ball? All those things take a, shot, a, sh a second and you have success or not. And just to give a couple of examples uh, for the listeners, everything he's describing, uh, these were things uh, when it came to every facet of the game, shooting, free kicks, um, where your the placement of your foot behind the ball, but most importantly, um, he bring we, we were bringing up the sticks. Uh, the first thing I had asked Yanni um, after he you know agreed to train me and we were talking about some things, how we were going to go about things. The first thing I asked him, well, when are you going to teach me how to do stepovers and all the fun stuff? And he said, I can't teach you how to do stepovers unless you know where your body has to go. And I didn't know until I actually started training after a couple of months when I realized that the entire time I was flailing my feet around and dribbling, it was more about where I was putting my, my body behind the ball to actually have better control. When I was dribbling, 
making sure that my, you know, if I was dribbling from the outside of my foot, that my whole body was behind that motion gave me so much more control over when I was just sticking my foot out and trying to, to do a move. Sometimes you can have success when you stick your foot out like that randomly, but without, without the, the principle of knowing where your body weight has to be to get the most out of the move, you're not going to be able to execute it properly. And that is really, that's really what, what he's explaining there. Every single thing that you do. And if you're going to get to that elite level, you have to be able to know all of these things have to become second nature. You have to be able to do that. You have to be able to, to realize when you're dribbling and it's just, just like you're walking normally, you're dribbling the ball and you have, you have balance behind it. You, you're, you're kicking the ball to the right. You're, you're doing that feint or that step over, but because you've worked on your balance, it's now coming off because now you have the balance after you do the step over to make that foot your plant foot and then spring off of it. All of that is involved with technique. And the one thing that I had never done before uh, and when I was competing at the level with college aspirations, the one thing that really helped me get to the next level was the agility training. Uh, Yanni, do you mind explaining the agility training that you set up with the sticks and why why that agility training was so important for balance and not, not just balance, but for, for ball control as well? You can use the cones and you, your body can stay straight up and you can go through the cones. Now, when we were using the sticks, it's like the idea for a real person in front of you that you have to dribble through. So having, using the sticks, those sticks, they think they are working like S bodies, like opponents. The cones, you can dribble the cones and your body can stay up and stiff. The training sticks, you helping you to be more flexible. And that, the little details, if you want to hit the world-class level, you have to pay attention to every little detail. That makes the difference. There are many players. There are many soccer players. But the players that are hitting the world class, the top, the players that they pay attention to little details, everything, like you said, how you will step. And going through the training stick, do you remember? I was like, don't touch it. Why? Yes. I didn't want to touch it because I want you to use your body and go away and be more flexible. I didn't want you to go over the, the sticks. I was yelling, don't touch it, don't touch it. Step well, step in the right way. You can step with your left foot in the right way. You can be able to change direction. If not, you will not have success even a little thing to change direction, to, to pass the ball, to walk, to pass the ball through the sticks, different in the strategy, all those things, they had to be perfect. You have to look for the perfect little details to make the difference. Like I said, there are many players, they're passing the ball, they're taking shots, they're making decisions. But the player that now they're listening, maybe young kids, you have to work all the times in the professional way, in the perfect way. Will you reach the perfect? Maybe not. Will you be? No. But you have to work like that. Yanni, I have one more question for you, and this is concerning a player, and that player's name is Adi Burubasis. Oh I think yes. the listeners, I think the listeners want to know because occasionally Adi brings up his his time as a, a a young soccer player back in the day, and I'm dying to know 
what was what was it like to train a young Adi? Uh, was what, what type of player was he? And uh, do you have any fun stories that he's too embarrassed to tell us? No, I'll tell you. <laughs> I'll tell you. And if you don't know me, but I like talk whatever I'm thinking, whatever I believe. If it's you, Aris, my father, or anybody, Aris was a good player to work with. And not because it's Aris, but Aris, he had the soccer brain and he had a talent and he was working. He had all those things. And I'm not saying because it's Aris, I'm just saying. And he, Aris will tell you how much passion I had working with him and how much I was. He, Aris could see that. Why? I had my passion working with Ari, with Ari because he was there. Whatever I was telling him, no complaint. He was going. He reminds me, Carly. If if Aris didn't have the injuries, he was going to be one of the best players. Whatever I was telling him, he was grabbing. He was working. He had the talent, or not? He was not thinking, "Oh, I have a talent. Oh, I'm good." No, he was working, and he was getting a good combination of his work, his talent, and his soccer brain. Those three things I was working, I had there to work with Aristide. So any coach loves to have players like that. Well, we see the soccer brain to this day, Yanni, with the, with the deep dives. Adi does a lot of the, the scouting for the podcast these days, but that's mm-hmm. very, it's very nice to get that perspective. Yep. Just to yep. clarify real quick also, when I started training with Yanni, I actually played as a, a number six. Uh, I was just a ball winner and I would distribute. But then after training and after really getting my head around and improving my technique a lot, I became a 10, a number 10 after that. And I was much more the playmaker or an eighth. I was doing both, playing more box to box. And all of that came once once he found out where my where my talents were. He trained me on everything, how where I should be looking when I get the ball, positionally where I should be. Uh, free kicks. I never took free kicks for anybody until after I started training. He taught me everywhere to put the ball. Uh, I started taking free kicks, corners, with both feet, with my right and left foot. Uh, Yanni, I don't know if you remember the first time when I couldn't hit the ball anywhere with my left foot. It went, oh my God, it was going in the trees. It was going on the ground. I couldn't do it, but hours. Uh, We must have been doing just left-footed free kicks for hours until I finally was able to start getting to the point where I could do it with either one and we could adjust what type of plan we wanted to do it for a free kick. Um, that all of that was done, was done with Yanni. I mean, it was a lot of work. It was hours of my life every week, multiple times a week. Uh, but the training was worth it. Uh, it cause it was great to go from being just a, a good player to being one of the best on the field. It, it, it was very important in the way a player like Aristide is working because you can see that uh, not only the coach, the trainer is getting excited, but the player is getting excited because he sees himself that he's moving up. He feels better. He feels different at the field when he plays the game because now it's like you have somebody will change the tire because got flat tire and trying to work with his hand and this and he's struggling. 
But if you will give the tools to somebody, he can change the tire in five minutes. That's what players like Aristide and Carly, they were doing. You were, they were grabbing the tools so their job to be better, more fun, more excited. And that it's, it's I was on my knees grabbing Carly Lloyd's foot to show her how she has to put the foot behind the ball to take a curve shot or a straight shot or uh, over, you know, chip the ball. All those things, they are very, very important. And when you see a player getting those things, working with uh, the brain and the body and the balance and the decisions and all those things, gets you more excited. But the player, that's the most important to see your player moving up. And I had parents after the first or the second uh, session, they were different. They were coming back with happiness because they played different. I had a player that uh, he told me, I said, what foot you used to play soccer? He's like, my right. Wrong answer. What foot you used to play soccer? My left. Wrong answer. <laughs> the right answer, it's both. If you want to be a soccer player, you have to use both feet, period. It's no question about that. I'll tell you something, guys. My team that I was training at South Jersey, at the practice, I was working, of course, with one touch, with two touches, with unlimited. We had easy games, and I was asking my team, my whole team, to play only with the left foot. So my whole team was using only the left foot at the easy game, okay? And then was time coming the time, I was telling them my whole team was using only the right foot, okay? Now, get what I was doing that. I wanted them to see the difference when you use one foot, left or right, and then I was telling them, okay, guys, now you are allowed to use both feet. They were flying. It's important, a player, to use both feet. In one game, I had two goals from three kicks. One on the right side, one on the left side. One side, I used my left foot to make the goal over the wall. At the other side, I may reuse my right foot to make the, the goal in the other side over the wall. You have to play with both feet. It's no question about it. your game. It's easier. You don't need a lot of move if you use both feet. I'll explain to you why. If I'm using only my right, I have to move my body more to put my right foot in the right position to give the right pass, to take the right shot. If I have in good quality, both my feet, I don't have to move the, my body that much because wherever the ball is, I'm there. And that, that it's very, very important to be able to use both feet. I mean that, it's like both feet, period. And you know what, let me tell you something. The players, they were telling me, oh, I cannot use my left, it's not good, okay? Why 
your, your right foot is good. Can you play soccer with your right foot? Yes, yes, yes. That's good. Why your right foot is good? Because you train your left foot to hold your body and use the right foot to deal with the ball. If now you will train your right foot to hold your body and use your left to deal with the, bo the ball, it will be perfect with both feet. Yeah, I, I have a question actually about that because there's still elite level footballers who can't use, I don't want to go back to him, but Buhalakis cannot use his right foot. And the guy contorts his body to try and pass the ball with his left foot and like almost, this is not just Buhalakis, like a famous example, Danny Ceballos at Arsenal cannot use his left foot. He has to contort his body to try and use his right foot. So uh, what, why do they do that? Is that just lack of training or is there something sometimes more there? They train it and it's just, they can't do it. It's confusing a bit. I'll, I'll explain to you. I'm not saying that using just one foot, left or right, you cannot be a good player or you can not be the best player around the world. You can. But using both feet, you are, your job is easier and can be more fancy, working with your fakes, working with your shots, working with your passes. The work to your body is less when you use both feet. For example, again, but I, I, I explained that, that yes, you can be a good player using just one foot. No question. I'm not saying that if you don't use both feet, you cannot be a good player. No, you can't. It's no question about that, but your body for sure has to work more to get the position. You remember we said we have to get a good position, the right position behind the ball. Mm -hmm. If the ball is on my right side and I'm not using my left, I have to spend time and use my body to bring the ball on my right side to be able to take the shot. If you can use both feet, when I was playing one point, I won't take a shot on the right. I was using my right foot. I had to take my shot on the left. I was using my left foot. I didn't have to move my body. But if you play with one foot, you use one foot and the ball, it's the opposite foot. You have to move your body. You have to spend time. And at the game, one second, it's very important. In one second, you can make the goal or you can miss the goal. If you missed a goal, you maybe you missed a game. If you made the goal, maybe you won the game for one second. That's very, very important. Um, now, Yanni, moving on from technique, um, we'll uh, we'll try and get through the last principles. That way, we can get to the Olympiakos Ike game and apply everything to this game. Um, you brought up psychology, or what some uh, in America we like to call it. American English game they call it mentality. Um, mm -hmm. What what do you do to to prepare a player psychologically or with their mentality to, to succeed? I'll tell you, that's a very, very important department, we say, in the soccer, the psychology. And you know what, uh, guys? The psychology, it's for sure at the youth soccer, but it's important, more important at the world-class teams like Olympia Coast, like whatever. Why? All those players that play at the big teams, the teams like Olympiacos, they have the techniques, they have strategy where to run, how to run, where they will go. They have the condition, they're in good shape. 
what one coach can do to only be a coach. Work with the psychology, what that means. To make them believe that they are good players. Make them believe they are in good team. Make them believe that they have to win. They can win. How? Talking to them. One coach or one trainer will be a good and have success if can figure out personalities of the team, of the group, of the team, of the players. I, I use my psychology to figure out your brain, how you think, how you feel, what it's bothering you, what it's not bothering you to be able to help you. So in that way, getting good communication, like I said earlier, to transfer my knowledge, my information to you. If the players doesn't believe at the coach or the coach doesn't believe at the players, it's not psychology there, it's not communication. That's why many teams, they're out, like uh, Real or uh, Barcelona. The right coach with a good communication. What's going on with Liverpool? That coach got the psychology, work, is working with the personalities of the players and get them together. Working individual first, every single player. He worked with Chimika psychology personality and he's trying to make him a good player, you know. Chimikas needs a lot of psychology of his coach. When I mean psychology again, it's like work with him, talk to him. Like I said, you know, tap his back. Good job. You know, my player there was not right. That was wrong. Now, it's their players. You have to yell at them. What's wrong with you? They have, you have. And there are players I never yelled at Carly. There were times I yelled at Ari. There were times I yelled, you know, you know what I mean? There are players how you get the, communica the communication and you have to figure out how they feel, what they want, how they want to work, where, what it's bothered them, what it's not bothered them. In that way, the psychology, you can be able to help them. means if you will see a player doesn't feel confident about himself or about the team, you have to work with them. You have to realize, come here, you are a good player. You see how well we did that. You see how did, well you did this. But that, you didn't do the right. We have to work on that in the right way to move him up and work correct and have success. Now, moving on to the, the tactics uh, and the strategy, positioning uh, with, on, underneath of the tactics, I should say, positioning to best capture the abilities of the player. Um, how to best succeed in, in certain scenarios. So there's two questions here. So first, how, how can you tell, how do you identify uh, a player based on their abilities, wh where you thought they could succeed well? For me, it you, you knew I was going to be a midfielder uh, and mm -hmm. specifically further up the pitch in that, in that number 10 position, the attacking midfielder. How do you know players are going to be good at certain positions? And, and how do you get around the whole tactic situation? How do you first identify where they're going to do well? And then from that, how do you, how do you teach them how to be the most successful in that position? For Buhalaki, I know Buhalaki's position. I can figure out very fast. He can be at the bench. That's easy. <laughs> now, now, with... 
And you know, because I feel bad, I don't want him to be by himself. I want Masura to keep company to him. <laughs> okay? <laughs> because I will feel bad for Buhalak to be by himself at the bench, you know. I'm going to But what I have one question. What about Lazar Angelovic? Can he join them as well? What do you think about the Serbian kid? Because we have our critiques of Rangelovic this season. He has not been performing. What do, do you see something there? Because yes. Coach Martin yes. seems to think that, that he could turn into something. That's a very good question, and that's uh, that's good because I spent a lot of time thinking about that player. He used to be at the bench, and when he put him a sub to finish the game, he was unbelievable. He will start him at the game, and he will be bad. I saw that with that player. That player can make the worst play, or he can make a play, you're going to go like, oh my God, like the goal he made to Ike. Oh my God, what was that? He cut the ball, and he sent the ball in the other corner. He's a good player. The only thing, the coach has to work with him and tell him, you don't have to prove to me that you are a good player. That player, he's trying all the time to prove to the coach, to the people that he's a good player and he's trying to do things that they are not necessary. So that he has to, they have to tell him, play your game. He's fast, he has dribble, he can make the plays, he can cross the ball, he can make goals, he can take a shot, but I believe he has that player, he has that pressure, he has to prove that he's a good player. And the coach has to work with him about that. You don't have to prove me that you're, you are a good player. Go and play. Make your mistake. Make your good play. Play. Play your game. Use your body and use your brain and play the game free, comfortable. Don't, I believe he has a lot of pressure that he has to prove it. Kind of going a little bit back. <laughs> it's always fun to make fun of Radejevic a little bit. But um, how do you, going back to the tactics, how do you approach this with players? Individual tactic or the team? Both. So, or Well, we'll start with individuals. Okay. Um, who can go individual, who can move to the groups and then to the team. That's how it's right. working. It's mm -hmm. individual, the group, and the team. Individual, you have to work with the player and help him to get the right position and then to move up. That's the strategy, how he has to work at the field. The players, I can see players when they have the ball, I can see player that when doesn't have the ball. Am I right? A player at the field in point will have the ball and the other one will not have the ball. A player at a game with the ball is like in 90 minutes, can be like two, three, four minutes. That, you know what I mean, and in all the seconds, he has the ball. It's important to help the player when doesn't have the ball. That's a good player, the players that they're playing when they don't have the ball. When you have the ball, you can create something there. The most important thing is to play well, play smart play correct when you don't have the ball. That's the good player for me. And strategy about, it's like you have a defender. How you, the defender, for example, had to figure out the striker, if he's fast, if he's slow, if he's big, if he's small, it depends the center of gravity of his opponent. 
if the, the player is fast, you have to stay a little bit away from him so he will not pass you. You need some room from the strike. I'm a defender, I have my striker. If I will see that the striker is fast, I cannot be next to him because with one touch, he's gone. I have to stay a little bit away from him so I can have some room to run, to, to deal with him. The, the striker, he has to pay attention where they play, where the defender, where I want striker, I can show to the striker that he can put the defenders where he wants them. Striker working, he can put the defenders where he wants them. What that means, how you can do that. As a striker, I will walk on the right side because I want the left side open. So I can walk there to take my defender on the right side and when the cross will come at this far post, I will be by myself to make the goal. It's, that, it's a lot of work. Us, as a players, we put the defenders, the opponent defenders where we want. The wing the, on the side, he can go close inside, move the right full back inside, and then he will get the overlap from the other player and go around at the empty area, empty up so he can give the cross. You know what I mean? Yep. It's like how we are working, who can move the opponents where we want them to go. So who can have the opposite area open? Right. So, so in other words, for the strategy and tactics, with the specifics and kind of what you said in the beginning, the strategy and tactics, it, the, the really important part is what you're doing when you don't have the ball, how That's you can move important. in the best, the best situations. Um, now, uh, moving on to what you have told me is probably one of the most important parts, especially if you're ever going to compete at the high level, is physicality. Physically, you have to be at the high level or you can't compete at all. Uh, and that was something you worked on me with me a lot because in order for you to be able to do all of these things, you have to be able, you have to have the endurance, you have to have the physical. The, I wouldn't say just the physical strength, but the the endurance to be able to run for ninety minutes, to play for ninety minutes. Uh, now, I've briefly talked about in other podcasts what you used to make me do uh, with the medicine ball and the vests. Mm -hmm. What did you used to focus on for the physicality and the conditioning? Um, with, with, the, with the vest, the medicine ball, why is that all very important as a player to get to the elite level? That's good. That's very important because I'll tell, I'll tell you what we're doing, but why it's very important. Do you see what we said? We have to play soccer with our brain first. Am I right? Yeah. Good. Now, where the brain gives order to body. If the body are, is not able to receive those orders and do it, it's zero, nothing. So we are working with our body. When we get the decisions, uh, the orders from the brain, we have to be there. You know what? My brain says, if I will play soccer now, my brain says, Yanni, fake him in the right side and accelerate on the left side. But guess what? With a thousand pounds, you cannot do that. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yes, 
you know, I'm not the skinny, you know, <laughs> you have to have your, your body, you know, that's so important to be able to receive the order from the brain and execute. So you have to be fast. We are using the vest. We are using the medicine ball. We are using the sticks. We are using the heels. We're running up and down. So the body, the muscles and the strength and they can be able, we are doing laps forever. The laps forever. Why? So you can get used to accelerate. You can be good in accelerating. You can be good to be go run for more than 90 minutes easy. If you are in good shape, the orders you are getting from the brain, they will be executed nice and easy. And you know, when I had the team, if you remember, I told you, most of the games, I was getting them at the second half. Why? Because at the second half, most of my teams I was playing, they were out. My players at the second half, that was the time they were taking off to, to be there. I felt like most of the practices were just running. I'll be honest you know, with you. <laughs> it, it's very, I know it's, it's very important. You know, when I got my team, when I got my team, the, my first team, the Olympiacos New Jersey, when I first got them, they were starting the season at the beginning of, of September. I said, okay, when we will get ready to prepare for the season? Oh, maybe the first, second week of August. I said, what? Be at the field the next day of July 4th with no soccer balls, no cleats. That was my first practice also. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. They were, and they were, you know, what, what's wrong with him? What are you talking about? I said, you will be at the next day of July 4th with no cleats, no soccer balls. I want you at the practice. And we worked for 20 days with conditioning. And then I start putting the skills, the technique, passes and this. And then I moved on to all those uh, things. Because if you don't have the condition, you are not in good shape, you are not physical, you are not metal ready, you cannot do anything, you cannot move on. That's so important. And the other important I, I want to tell you is the video sessions I was using. They are very important. Working with the brain, training the brain, the video sessions, I was training their brains to my players. I was recording their game. You remember? I was recording their game. And then I had every Wednesday, every Wednesday, a video session with a paper, all of them watching their game and putting down the good place, the bad place. You have to see, that's the psychology. You have to see if you are making a mistake and how, and explain as a trainer coach, explain what they did, what they are supposed to do. And the next hour, I was putting a professional game from Europe or South America. So they can see the things I was training them, I was teaching them, I was asking them to do can happen. And the, the most important thing for me was with when it comes to the to the strength and conditioning, that's also how you also prevent against injury. When you are constantly working and training and you're conditioned, the top in a game, the more tired you get, 
the more likely you are to make a bad decision or maybe forget or not do the correct positioning to, to maybe receive a ball or to dribble. And that's where injury happens. So that's why a lot of this is very important because as long as you don't get to that point where you get super tired, you have the conditioning, the physicality to be able to go through those games, the, the, then you can go longer without getting tired. You can go longer without making mistakes that could lead to injury. So we'll close up with that final thought. And now using everything that we've kind of learned from from Yanni with, with his core tenets of, of training and player development, we want to apply this now to the to the Ike Olympiacos post game. Uh, so it was a it was a you know in terms of the scoreline three nothing always great to beat Ike three nothing. Lambro said it. Jimenez is back, and when Jimenez comes back, Triades also come back as well. Uh, we always have great games against Ike with Jimenez. So Yanni, uh, what we like to do with with the games is we kind of just like to discuss uh, first of all what we thought of the game as a whole. And then we do player grade, player grades and coaching grades. Uh, we grade Martins A to F. A is really good. He, he did a very good coaching job. Uh, F is very poor. And then of course, in between BCDE, uh, we also like to pick some, you know, who we thought was the best player and who we thought was the worst player. So uh, I get Peter, go ahead and start. What did you like about the game? Well, I certainly like the scoreline, obviously. Uh, great way to start off the new year, especially um, the last result against Ike, uh, the 1-1 draw a few weeks back. It really did worry me. Um, the team didn't look very inspired, and it just didn't look like very good football. But, you know, I saw the lineup today, and I was immediately really happy to see Costas Fortunis in the middle, Madi Kamara playing a bit deeper, uh, as well as No Lazar Ranjevic in the team. And... That just put me in a good mood and then went out and got the result. The first goal was beautiful. Uh, Jan and Vila with a very nice long ball, El Arabi, well-finished header. The second goal was a bit more of a mess, but um, I do want to shout out Lambro, who has complained multiple times on the podcast that Matthew Valbuena's free kicks and set pieces are not productive enough. Well, today, Matthew Valbuena free kick leads to a, a mess in the box and then a goal. And then the third goal, Penalty for Valbuena, maybe a bit soft, but I think it is deserved, in my opinion. Uh, there was some pulling on the shirt. There was some pushing. I think that's a fair penalty. Valbuena had missed a couple back earlier in the season, so it's nice to see him get back on the pitch, finish the penalty, and make it a nice, decisive 3-0 scoreline. A couple lapses from the back line here and there, but overall, a pretty solid victory for Olympiacos. Ike maybe could have scored a goal or two there, but... I'm generally happy with what I saw as far as a grade for Martins. Um, I think I'll say an A, uh, just because the opening lineup looked really good. Uh, the changes, for the most part, I agree with. You know, um, there wasn't really much needed. It was just sort of getting fresh legs in there. Um, I don't really have too much to complain about, to be honest, as far as the man of the match. I think I want to say Mari Kamara, um, although El Arabi is up there with the brace, but... You know, I thought Madi had a very good game. He was involved a lot. Uh, he looked so good playing in his number eight position, and he won the ball a lot early on and was really pivotal, helping retain our possession, uh, especially in the first half. I will I'll actually give a special shout-out to Jose Jolebas. It's probably his last game being the starter, or at least the regular starter before Rebchik comes in. And I actually thought he, he did decently well for most of the game. 
uh, maybe some poor moments here and there, but, you know, shout out to Jose Jolebas. Thank you for filling in for the entire first half of the season. And uh, El Arabi also gets a, a nod for man of the match as well. Lambro, what do you think? Yeah, so the starting lineup was interesting, but I'm starting to get worried about this guy. Bruma, I just don't know if he's the answer to the winger problems. I just don't think he is it, you know? I don't think he has it. I think the game against Larissa was kind of a blip, him playing so well. So that's I'll start off with a concern. And also after the first goal, I, I was worried we were going to go, if you guys remember the game before Christmas at Owaka, it was the same story we scored and then Ike came back in and slotted a goal. And it seemed like that was where we were going for a few few minutes there in the second half. I think Mandalos hit the, the post and then they had another good after uh, good opportunity where Simoa skied over the bar and it was really worrisome. And then we came back and, and, and scored with that almost like terrible goalkeeping by Chindotas, I have to say, right? He, he has to take an assist for that as well. But but yeah, it was an interesting game because it doesn't feel like a 3-0 really when you think about it. And there were some concerns with Bruma. I don't know. I, 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 don't, I don't think I've decided on a coaching grade until I want to hear what you guys have to think because I was a little concerned watching the game throughout. But in the end, a great result, of course, 3-0. I agree with you there, Lambro. I mean... I know a lot of people were joking about the post-match comments by Jimenez where he said the scoreline didn't match the, the product on the field. And I actually agree with that. I mean, in the first half, we were we were definitely more dominant. Uh, we were controlling the, the pace of play. But the concerning part for me is we, we seem to be now having Martins kind of regress. In the beginning of the season, he was game managing, I thought, pretty well. He would have a slow first half. He would make some changes. And then we would, of course, do better in the second half. Now that the team, as the season has progressed, seems to be playing a little bit better, he's kind of going back to old Martins, which is he, he's taking too long to make changes. Jimenez made three changes at halftime. And once those three changes were made, Ike was making a lot of – they were putting a lot of pressure on us, and they, a lot of things were happening. Uh, Oliveira was was a terror going – getting the ball, receiving it, going down towards that left side. And I didn't see an adjustment from Martins fast enough. When, when, when you're winning – and at the time, we were only up one nothing. But when you're winning and they start getting pressure like that because of all these adjustments, you have to make an adjustment. You have to make it much faster than that. In, in some ways, we were fortunate. Um, I still think that we were the better team on the whole and we were deserving of the win. But I would have liked to see better game management from Martins in that respect. Um, Bruma, I mean, I've mentioned to you guys in the past – that I haven't been 100% sold on him. There's good things about him. And it's funny considering kind of the awkward footing he has on the dribble, that lead foot he seems to have, um, that he can be successful. One, because of his physical attributes and his speed. But I've always been a little concerned about what his ceiling is. And I think today we kind of started to see that um, his technique isn't all there, at least on the dribble. And... I mean, but he had a couple of moments where if he could have just gotten by the defender, I mean, he was off to the races. He was the last defender, and he we know he's fast. But 
I'm still willing to give Bruma some time to continue and see what happens. But right now, he's not worth a $6.5 price tag for me. As for Martins, look, uh, he was a little bit slow to make the adjustments, and I'll, I will hold that against him. But I like the starting lineup. The starting lineup was fine for me. I like playing two wingers that are actual wingers and stretch the field. Uh, look at what that did for us. Look at the crosses that we had in and the opportunities it made as a result. And even as, as you know, we didn't play, I won't say we played spectacular, but look at how we played below where we know the team can play and we still beat Ike 3-0. That says something to, to the quality that's here. So, and, so anyway, good lineup. Um, when he made the adjustments, he did address the issues at hand, which was Ike crowding the midfield. So I'll give him an A minus, and the minus being that he took too long to make the adjustments. I think uh, I think I'm gonna end up giving the man of the match to to probably Madi. Uh, Madi was everywhere. Uh, now, did everything did everything work out for him? No, but a lot did, and he was an engine working box to box the whole game. So I'm going to reward that effort, and I'm going to give Madi my man of the match. What about you, Yanni? It was a nice game. I like the 3 nothing. Of course, I'm very happy. The team, Olympiacos, at the first half, very well, they were very good. But we were playing with 11 players. The other two, they were at the bench. So the team went very well. <laughs> And uh, we made the goal. We made the goal. Now, I I didn't see Ike at the first half because Olympiacos didn't allow them, and they were the Olympiacos was doing very well. Now, like Aristides said, and you see the soccer brain, he has I'm proud of him. He's he's unbelievable. He's very good. At the second half, he managed right away the other coach. I coach. From uh, 4-2-3-1, he went 4-3-3. So, at the center of the field, Ike had three midfielders, and Biakos had two. Right there, Ike got control of the game. And because Olympiacos, we were a little bit lucky, they didn't tie the score or they didn't make the second goal. Now, Martins had to see that right away, the three, the three subs that made the, the Jimenez, he had to, like Aristide said, very well and very good. He had to make the change right away and get the balance in the center of the field because the center of the field, Ike players, there were three and Olympiacos had two. So right away, right there, Ike was flying. And then came at the eighth minute or 79th yes. minute, he put uh, Buhalaki, my player, in. <laughs> so it's not that it was Buhalaki. It was that uh, he put another player. So we, we, were, we were even at the, at the work at the center of the, of the field, you know. And that time, you know, that time was good that he put, I'm serious, that he, he put Buhalaki. That's okay. That's good because we need a player like that, like Buhalaki at the center, not to put, move the ball forward or make plays. No, we had to control the center of the field, not to allow Twaek to make the plays, the game. So, the first half, 75% of Olympiacos was good. The first half and the second, the, the, the second half, the end of the game. 
But when the second half start, Martins had to make the change very well, very fast. And he, he spent some time, like uh, Aristide said. Now, I will, I will, I was planning to give to Martin C, but because you know, he he start with eleven players. I'll give him B. He will get the B. <laughs> and you know what? You know what? I'm I'm talking like that, not because any reason, but because, again, like Aristide said, and I be, I had the same opinion at the second half. Olympiacos could lose the game because of Martins. Right. I'm, I'm serious. Olympiacos could lose if and what took a little bit, few few inches, couple inches, the goal to Madalos to go goal and uh, to the other player to make the second goal at the, at the penalty area. Why? Because Ike had to control at the center of the field and Martins was not doing anything. Who are going to lose the game? Who are lucky? Thank God they didn't make the goal. And uh, my MVP, Larabi, made the second goal. So we, we were able to get the game and make the third one. But I believe the 3 nothing. of course, it's not if somebody will hear 3 nothing. oh my God, Olympiacos destroyed Ike and killed. No, it's not like that. But I'm happy that we won. And I'm happy that now I get 11 points behind, and that's important. And Pauk missing, you know, losing those two points, it's seven, it's awesome. Yeah. So I, I get Martinez B and my El Arabi, it's the MVP. I'll be honest, El Arabi is probably the real player that deserves the MVP. He he finished the, he only had, I think, four shots, and he he scored two goals off of four shots. What, what can you say? Uh, but I always, of course, I have bias for midfielders because I was a midfielder, and I see all the running that Mari did, and so I will always. He was so him. tired okay. at the end of the game. He that's, was dead. That's, that's that's okay. That's that's good. But yeah, I believe that uh, El Arabi. He's you know it's Sa Semedo Fortunis El Balbuena and El Arabi. You see, they are the backbones. Sa Semedo Balbuena Fortunis and El Arabi. We need players on the side. We need the right. Left, right, full back. I believe that player we got. He's a very fast player. Can make big difference. We need. I don't like uh, that much. I'm not crazy about uh, the right, full back. Uh, Rafinha. Rafinha. I'm not crazy about him. And we need uh, two players uh, at the right or the left. You know, the one we have. Okay, but um, you know, if we can get something. Better will be awesome. Yeah, but I, I just have to call out Adi. He's a supporter of midfielders, but then Jan and Via performed excellent today, and there's no support for Jan and Via. There's not one word for <laughs> is Jan that, and Via. Is that your man of the match? He Lando? did. I, he did. Jan and Via's pro, Jan and Via's cool. man. Jan and Villa, the other French. But I will say this too, and I have said it. Jan and Villa's had uh, the last. Before the break, the last couple of games before the break, I thought he'd been playing much better. What irritates me, and again, it irritates me because for a couple of reasons. One, I was a midfielder. I played as a midfielder, and I know what I like to see and what 
what irritated the living hell out of me on the field. And it was seeing midfielders that would just sit back and holding hands with the defenders and not running through the middle of the field to create outlets. The midfield position to me has always been the most important. It's always been the most important for me. I don't care what anybody else says. And when I saw him playing in the most important position on the field, not contributing anything, it annoyed the hell out of me. But he, I thought he had a great game today. Uh, I mean, great long ball, a pinpoint ball to El Arabi. And I thought that he was doing very well moving, moving into the open spaces. Uh, very positive on Envila's performance today. But Mati was better. <laughs> fair enough. That's fair enough. No, I uh, – it, it, yeah, I, I, I think Mati was also a man of the match. It's kind of a cop-out to say, but I – but he actually, just does I, everything. He does he, everything. He does, he does everything. But but also El Arabi performed pretty well. Uh, yeah, I'm just gonna go El Arabi actually to because he, he had some nice words on Mega after the game as well. So so he, he played the game and he also came on TV afterwards to discuss the game. So he gets man of the match for that for me. It was a point. He was all the way in the back and he was defending. At the end of yep. the game, I, I saw that El Arabi, he was defending the back. Saving, you know, the play, Ike's place, destroy the Ike's place. He's, he's a good player. He's a good player. I thought El Rabi did a really nice job in hold-up as well, uh, passing the ball, distributing it. I even saw him pop up out on the flanks at times as well, especially when Valbuena was in the game and they had some nice link-up. So I, I do think he, he's definitely my runner-up uh, for, for man of the match. There was one player, uh, actually, I'll say a couple of players for Ike that I actually thought were doing quite well. Their left back, Helder Lopez, was uh, in the first two minutes of the game when he nutmegged Rafinha. I was like, here we go. This is what we're going to see. I, I mean, I thought he was doing pretty well going forward. I think Ike fans will be happy with his performance. And uh, that's something, that's definitely something that Jimenez loves too. Jimenez has always loved his overlapping wingbacks. Uh, immediately see that dropping in more as soon as he become, as soon as he's the coach. Uh, but yeah, credit to him. I got really worried, I'm not going to lie, about Galanopoulos when I saw that, the, the collision in the second half when um, Mvila, was it, uh, or you know, Usainu Ba. It was Ba, I, yeah. Yeah, it was Ba, and he hit the ball, and it kind of looked like it hit the side of his foot and his ankle. It almost looked like it, twisted a weird way I got really worried because he had just had the surgery for that nasty injury to his ankle last year and I thought I was like oh here we go again the a guy that we need for the Greek national team because we're stuck with a not so nice defensive midfield pairing and we need him and I was really worried about that but I'm glad it, he ended up being okay that's very good uh, you know it's a long time to hear uh, Aristides talking about soccer I'm so proud of you <laughs> yeah, yeah. Appreciate it. Well, I'm before... serious. No, no, no. Aristide, I'm serious. I, I, I'm listening to you and I feel so good because you make me, you know, believe that I was right when I was start training, working with you, that I believe that you have a soccer brain. And that's that's true. I, I'm listening to you now. It's like awesome. I mean it. I'm not, you know me. If I didn't believe, if I didn't agree, I was not going to say that. But <laughs> yeah, I'm listening. Know. You, know, you know me. You know yes. I, I agree so much with you, and I've already told him this. He should quit the day job and become a scout for football. Like the work <laughs> he does on foot on the He's scouting good. data, watching player video. This Olympiakos would easily use that talent, you know. Sometimes 
we're signing Ruben Vinagre over here in the and Cafus of the world. We could oh use uh, we could what, use uh, Ari to. What about that Pepe? Oh my God! Oh my God! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, as people say, a quality quote. One time, one time, my niece and my daughter they want to play soccer. Do you know what I told them? Do anything else but soccer. Don't do that because they were bad. I didn't have a problem. I didn't, yeah, they were very bad. I told them right away to my my niece, my ex uh, sister in law. I said, "What's wrong with you? Take that kid away from the soccer field." <laughs> Tennis can is you, a good sport. <laughs> can you? Yeah, can you help her? No, I cannot help her. She will never play soccer. Take her out. And then my daughter, my daughter, she wants to play. I said, "No, stop. Give me that soccer ball. It doesn't belong to you. You are out." <laughs> Yanni. Before we begin to close up here, we actually really wanted to ask you, we've had uh, a lot of discussions about this with the national team. Um, we're, you know, we're all kind of on the fence about John Van Ship. We're not happy with the, the performances in the Nations League. We think it was a disappointment. And we've had some uh, interactions with audience members, other individuals online, on social media about uh, some players. And one thing we constantly talk about is John Van Ship's choices, well, I'll say choice for the number 10, for the attacking midfielder. You have players like Madalo and Fortunis, who he will constantly play out of position just so that he can play Bacasetas in the number 10. Um, do you think Bacasetas uh, is, is better than Fortunis and Madalos at the number 10 position? And should he should he be playing there? Uh, what are your thoughts on Bacasetas, first of all? No, I believe Bacasetas is not supposed to play there. And Madalos played well at the center of the field right. a, long, a long time ago. Mm -hmm. I don't know why they did that to in the Ike and they put Madalos on the side, on the line. Mm -hmm. they, they, they lost him. He's out. For Tunis, he's doing very well at that position. Mm -hmm. Plus, I don't know if that coach is getting uh, secret papers and write down the the lineup, but uh, if it's he, because his decision, he's wrong. We have so many, you know, we have the, the defenders, uh, Rizvani, and we have the, his partner at Atromtos. They are very good defenders. Mm -hmm. Why he has to get... Uh, the other poor guy, and he's he like he doesn't like him, and he put him at the center of the the defense. The Javelas. His, Javelas. It's that he. It's a punishment. It's like he doesn't like that guy. <laughs> yeah, something's wrong with him, and he wants to punish Javela. Javela, that's not his position. When you have Rizvani, Hajidiakos, or the partner, uh, Rizvani says that Gutas, exactly. Those two guys, they play together. They are very good. They are doing a good job. You know, they can put their in. If you had somebody else, if you had, uh, you know, somebody else, okay, if you have Manola, put Manola, but Manola is not there. That's another thing. Manola has to be on the national team. I'm not crazy about uh, Papastathopoulos, but Manola has to be there with Rizvani or with, uh, with somebody. Man, it's not personal things. If I'm good, you're this or you said that, I said, no, it's about the national team. It's about our teams. It's not his team, it's our team. 
put there, you have a problem or not, put him there. He has to be, Manolas has to be there and uh, Rizvani has to be there or the other guy over there, I was feeling so bad for him. And you have Manola, you have Manola out, you have strikers, you know, it's like we have a couple of strikers, you have Ioannou, you got a, get a striker and you put those two strikers over there, they're, they're not good. I know one Rizvanis, one uh, the strikers we have the, at the office, he has a good striker, at the, they have, we have good strikers, put somebody over there that, you know, Makes sense. Fortunis. You have Fortuny at the bench and you want to win? Who will make the game? Guys, I'll tell you something with my experience. All the systems can change. 4, 3, 2, 5, 6, 7, 8, 7 in the back, 13 in front. Everything <laughs> can change. But you will never see, a, I'm telling you now, put that down. You will never see a good world-class team without a good number 10. Right. That number 10, now they put any number they want. But for me, is that number 10. Show me the number 10, I'll tell you what kind of team you have. If you will show me, you will tell me, I have one uh, very good world-class team. Okay, let me see your number 10. After I will see the number 10, I'll tell you if you have a good team or not. That's so important. That's the backbone. That's the brain. You will never see a team without a good playmaker, a good number 10. Tell me one team from the time soccer start. The team that was world-class went unbelievable without playmaker number 10. Well, you would have to have a real, a really good number eight. Like what about uh, Croatia? Luka Modric, Rakitic? The no, Den- no, 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 no. I, I agree. You have to have a number eight, good eight, yeah. good six. But we don't. <laughs> you have to have a good, you have to have good uh, defense midfielders. No question about that. You have to have a good goalie. You have to have, a, of course. But the number ten is that, that the the the, the brain, the the yeah. engine of the the the, the team that has, you have to have a good number. Th- and you have Fortuny, you have him outside. Martins, start the game without, without Fortuny, without Camara. And the, the reporters, they said, oh my God, wonderful. Olympiacos at the second half played much better. No, didn't play much better. Martins woke up and he put Martins inside and Camara. That's why Olympiacos. Oh, why Olympiacos plays better at the second half? Because he starts the team wrong and then he corrects it. He, he puts, he makes the chance to correct the team. And for the audience, Yanni's referring to the first game uh, that we played against Ike when we drew one to one, when Thiago Silva started at the number ten. Yeah, you know, at the Ike, what's the difference? We played with Pauk in one point at the first half, at the first uh, season. He, he played with Pauk, and what happened, guys? If you will see that game with Pauk, Olivia Martins took Buhalaki out, the coach from Pauk put uh, Jolie out. So, right there, Olivia became better, and we got the game. At the first, no, I'm, I'm not trying to make fun, but you know, watch the game. At the first game, we had, we had no Fortuny, no Camara. Who are not playing? He put Fortuny Camara inside the team chains. Okay, today the team starts without Buhalaki, without Masura. They played well. 
we played with 11 players. It's, 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 it's like that. I'm not trying to make that, oh my God, this, but I have reason. If you will watch Aristidi, I will come and watch one game or be across together, but be sure that those players are inside. You will see. And the other thing I don't like Olbiaco, maybe they can hear me. Olbiaco's colors, they are red and white, not blue, not uh, pink, not purple, no nothing. Olbiaco's, I see the, with the uniforms, with the blue <laughs> and purple and pink and green, whatever. Olbiaco's colors, they have to be white and red. I'm talking like that because I'm a little bit, you know, I'm, but that's the color. I cannot see my team, Olympiaco, with blue uh, uniforms, with any kind of color, but white and red. Well, that's Yanni, I just have to say uh, that was a very high quality rant. And I think you will, you fit in very well here at the Gate 7 International <laughs> Podcast Your with rants with commentary are always welcome. Like that. Usually it's I me. So Lambro can learn a thing or two from you. About about yeah, how to honestly how to have Masuras nice is going to be added to my list for sure because Buhalakis is already there with Rangelovic. So <laughs> <laughs> by the end of the season, you know, Lambro is going to be like, we played with six players today, <laughs> and then Martins <laughs> made the changes, and we finally had eleven. <laughs> no, no, it's it, yeah, it's like that. It, it, you know, it's not because we say that we, we see that the difference. Just the reporters over there in. I don't know. They don't want to say. I don't know what's going on. But you see, they are telling me, oh, my God, Olympiacos second half was different team played very well. They don't say that what's wrong with the coach, why he didn't start uh, Fortuny Camara. And today they can see Olympiacos at the first play, first half, they played very well. Why you don't say that we played with 11 players? Usually we start in, in 9 or 10. They don't say those things. I don't know. But that's the truth. You see, they, they were not inside and they played much better, much different. And then when they put uh, the poor Buha, like they put, okay, that time for 10 minutes was okay to be a little bit tough to pass the ball in the back or left, right. That's good. <laughs> With that, uh, Yanni, I just uh, I think we're going to wrap up. I want to thank you so okay. much for coming on. Um, is there anything, any other final words you'd like to say just very quickly before we finish up? I want to thank you so much for having me here. It's, it was my pleasure. I appreciate it. You know, it was very nice. You are doing a very good job. I was so happy to hear, uh, of, of course, you guys. I didn't know you, and it was very nice talking to you, and I see how good you are about uh, soccer. And, uh, but for sure, I was very happy to listen to Aristide talking about soccer. That's, I mean it. It was awesome. That's, I, I was, I was listening, I was listening, looking at him with my eyes open. I could not close my mouth. <laughs> well, we feel the same way. And I'm sure it's, it's especially are... fulfilling for you having, uh, having worked with him. And uh, it's very cool to get a window into Adi's past as well and hear about some of the stuff that, that you two worked on back in the day. So Thank you very much for that. And uh, it was a pleasure to have you on. Uh, thank you all to all the listeners, especially if you've made it this far. Please continue to interact with us. If you have a question for Matt Derbyshire before Wednesday, please contact us on social media at Gate7INTL on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or Reddit with a question for Matt. And we will see you when that episode comes out. I hope you had a great new year. This is our first episode of 2021. So enjoy the Asteras Tripolis game on Wednesday, and we will see you very soon.